things and, <clears throat> and um, you ever dealt with things, you know? Sometimes we've got to deal with things, amen? And, um, uh, you know, I don't get despondent. I just continue to pray. But in the middle of prayer one, one time, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said these words. He said, there's always a path to victory. Uh, and it doesn't matter if we see it or not. There's always a path. The Lord will make a path. If there's not a path, he will reveal the path if you've been unable to see the path. He will, he will create a path. If a path doesn't exist, he will create a new planet or a new universe if it's necessary for you to find a place to step upon this path. He will make the path. And so there's always a path to victory. <clears throat> and if we will believe that, then we will spend the time, instead of begging the Lord for a path, we will spend the time asking the Lord to reveal the path. Lord, there's a path. I just need to know where it is and how to walk it. Uh, instead of, Lord, are you going to make a path? Oftentimes we accuse the Lord of him choosing not to give us a path. Well, sometimes the Lord doesn't show you the way out. <clears throat> and people will say things, well, sometimes the Lord wants you to be sick. Well, that's just because they gave up looking for the path. Amen? Because sometimes the path of healing is repentance. Sometimes it's knowledge. Sometimes it's having hands laid upon you. Sometimes it's changing something in your natural life. Remember uh, uh, King Hezekiah had figs uh, placed upon him? Amen? Uh, and, um, <clears throat> you know, there's no inherent... Uh, despite what some people believe, there's no inherent miracle working power to a fig, amen? It's just figs. Uh, there's nothing special in, or inherently special to figs, but when you apply faith with it, then figs plus faith can fix anything. In fact, anything plus faith can fix anything. It could have been, you know, uh, a peppermint for all we know, <clears throat> and it would have done the job. Uh, sometimes the Lord uh, needs and provides something for us in the natural realm to apply our faith to, uh, and, uh, and we're appreciative of that. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so, praise God. Let's open up our, our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 4. We'll get started to the, today. So, uh, we have been working with Dr. McCrossin's book on the bodily healing and the atonement, <clears throat> and um, he's making the case that when Jesus went to the cross, he paid for everything, not just spiritual things, but everything. Uh, and a big thing, not the only thing, but a big thing that he paid for as part of the completed work of the cross is your healing. And if that's so, then... Uh, is, there more, uh, is there more crucifixions that are going to have to take place? Is he going to go back to the cross? Then all the work that he's ever done to complete healing has been done, and it's complete. It's not, it's not unfinished. It's complete. It's not out of date. It's complete and available for use anytime that you want to play, apply faith to it. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, so I just want to take a, a small uh, rabbit path here for just a few minutes. Because one of the things that um, Dr. Dr. McCrossin does, he spends a lot of time talking about Greek and Hebrew words. And Jared, uh, if you'll pull up the internet on, your, on, on the computer there, I want you to go to a website called uh, blueletterbible.org, blueletterbible.org. <clears throat> and uh, I want to just, uh, a lot of people know this, maybe everybody knows this, I don't know, but uh, maybe some, some people online don't know it. Uh, but I just want to give, since it is healing school, we can talk a little bit about uh, school things, right? And so you, you see that he talks a lot about Greek and Hebrew words. And I am not a Greek or Hebrew scholar. You know, I've thought about taking a Greek class. And I just, you know, I don't have time to do it. Maybe one of these days I'll have time to do it or take the time to do it. <clears throat> yeah. and, um, uh, but there are people who are Greek and Hebrew scholars. And, and uh, Dr., uh, Dr. Strong, Dr. James Strong, uh, was, uh, uh, was a professor of whatever he was a professor of. You know, he was uh, over several things uh, in his career. And one of the things that he started working on, he completed the work in, in 1890. So that's, what, 133 years ago he completed this work, 1890. Uh, he completed a work called Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Anybody ever heard of Strong's Exhaustive Concordance? Well, what he did is he took the King James translation. Of course, that, are there any other translations besides King James? There's plenty of other translations. There's about 1,500 English translations. Many of them are good. Some are wacko, right? But, but many of them are good. <clears throat> Some were translated by people who didn't believe in the Lord Jesus, and yet they translated the uh, Bible anyway, just out of, as an exercise in uh, the intellectualism of it. <clears throat> but Dr. Strong's went through uh, the whole King James Bible and, and, and he made a list every time that a particular word was used. So whatever it was, you know, just pick a word like faith. So if you go, if you pull up uh, uh, King, the King James, the concordance, Strong's concordance, and you look up the word faith, then beside the word faith, he has every verse that word was found in. Every uh, verse with that English word faith was found in. 
<clears throat> and that's the way you, has, you used to have to study, right? And so, which is still better than if you didn't have that and you wanted to find out every place where the word faith was used, you'd basically have to read the whole Bible every time you wanted to search for something. And so he spent, he spent uh, several decades actually creating the work and his multiple people were involved in this work. Uh, and uh, he completed it in 1890. And so you can, <clears throat> you can go through any verse and you can find, or any word, you can find it every place where that, uh, where that uh, verse was used. And, uh, and then you, uh, but, it, but out beside that word, it only had a portion of the verse. So if you wanted to find the entire context, you still had to go look it up, but it would tell you it's found in you know, Acts 1-8, it's still in Numbers 3-1. Uh, then you'd have to go to your Bible and flip to those places and read the whole verse in context. But at least it gave you a, a head start, amen? And so, so uh, that really sig significantly improved um, our Bible studies for, for I mean, a hundred years, right? I mean, it was nearly a hundred years before computers were available to do the same thing. Now, you, don't, you know, you would, uh, when I first started as a, as a child of God, <clears throat> when I was uh, probably about 15 years old, I bought my first King James Concordance, right? Strong's Concordance. And it's a big book, right? It's a big, it's book, this big, it weighs about five pounds, uh, and it has every single word in the King James, well, except for things like the and a and an, you know, a few uh, words like that, but for the most part, every single word in the King James, and there's hundreds of thousands of words, right, in the King James translation, and, and that's how you studied. You flip it, you know, <clears throat> uh, and you'd find out all these verses, then you'd have to get your Bible, and you go flip your Bible, uh, uh, you know, a dozen places, uh, and, <clears throat> uh, and so that, of course, that significantly improved our ability to study the Bible, uh, but then now computers, you do the same thing. You type in the word faith, and bam, you just, it just gives you all of the verses right now, uh, <clears throat> uh, and so with computers, it's even better. Uh, but as part of the work that he did, uh, he went back and found out when they translated the King James verse you know, into English, he also went back to the original language of Greek or Hebrew, uh, and he also uh, went through all the Greek and Hebrew words, all the unique words, and he assigned numbers to them. <clears throat> and, and they're called Strong's numbers. And if you ever, ever hear anybody talks about Strong's numbers, then that's the, the reference is to Dr. James Strong when he wrote the concordance. He also went through all the unique Greek and Hebrew words, and there's about 8,600 unique Hebrew words and about 2,600 uh, unique Greek words, uh, and he went through and numbered all of those so that you don't really have to know the Greek or Hebrew lettering. You can just look up a particular number, and that gives you that information. And, of course, uh, Dr. McCrossan uses... Uh, these numbers a lot in this book, so, which is why I wanted to give just a short uh, summary about that. So you, what you'll see him as you reference is, is either the letter G for Greek, and it has a number after that. That means that, that that unique Greek word has been assigned a number by Dr. Strong in 1890, uh, and <clears throat> then you could use that same number, and you can find out where that was used in the Bible. If it has the letter H in front of it, then that's a Hebrew word. Uh, and so if it's a work, word from the Old Testament, then that would be typically an H in some number. Uh, I think like H, H1, I think, is, is the word for father. <clears throat> and uh, G25 is the Greek word for love, uh, agape. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so then, then you can use that. You know, now, you may never do this. But, you know, I do this actually on, a, on occasion. Jared, you want, is that, is that uh, website up there, uh, blueletterbible.org? And, of course, I don't use this particular uh, uh, the, uh, application. I've got a different app on my phone, but it's not on, the, on Jared's computer there. But this will work the same. And so if you go to like, something like this, and you go where it says search the Bible, and you type in uh, 1 Corinthians or 1 COR uh, 13 and hit return, <clears throat> uh, this is uh, uh, healing school, right? Uh, and so uh, where it says uh, verse uh, 4 there, where it says charity, click on that one right there. Uh, click on that verse, and click on tools. <clears throat> okay, and so right there where it says uh, charity, it says G26. That's the Strong's number for the word charity. Uh, and again, Dr. James Strong went through, when he, was trans when he was taking apart the King James translation, he looked up the word charity for, in the original Greek and found out that it stood, it, it's actually agape. So you see that in the third column there. You got the Greek words, and then the, the last one where it says agape, that's the, the Englishized version of the Greek letters there. And so if you type, click on the G26, then Jared, <clears throat> where it says G26, click on that one there. And then this gives you all the, all the details about um, this 
Greek word called agape. And you see it's called G25, and it keeps scrolling down because there's uh, one thing I want to uh, show here, uh, if, if it shows up there or not. <clears throat> um, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so that's right there is all the locations in the New Testament where G25 is found. So, so one of the things that's valuable in studying is where is this Greek word used in the, in the Bible? G26. And if you go back up, uh, it was on a different view of my Bible uh, when I looked it up. Uh, keep on uh, going up there, blah, 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 blah. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, I don't see it there right now. Scroll down a little bit there. We'll keep on going. We can find it here. Um, uh, da, 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 da. No, too far. It's too far. Um, <clears throat> there was a synopsis somewhere that showed all the different ways that what I was looking for is there's a synopsis that shows all the different ways um, where uh, this was translated. So in, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, it was translated as the word charity. But most of the time, the Greek word <clears throat> is translated, uh, the Greek word agape is translated just love, right? But it's also translated as the word dear, uh, charity, love. So there's a few different English words that were created or that was used to, to represent this original same Greek word. Uh, and that's normal when you're translating things. Well, there it is right there, King James G26 in the following manner. Love was 86 times, so it was found 117 times in the New Testament, King James translation, and out of those 117 times, 86 of those times, it was translated as the word, as the English word love. 28 times it was translated as the English word charity, one time as dear, one time as charitable, and then feasts of charity, like I'm sure that somewhere, if you clicked on that, it would take you to that verse, I'm sure. Uh, <clears throat> the point of that is, uh, it's just a, a way to dig a little deeper, right? And a lot, a lot of times what I'll do when I'm studying is I'll find a, a, a particular word, a Greek word, and I go back to the original word, Greek or Hebrew word, and I'll, and I'll do this right here. Show me every place where this is used in the Bible. And then I'll read all those verses so that I can find out the context of how did the authors use this word, right? So, so if you go to, um, you know, some, uh, the Bible tells us to walk in love. Uh, well, okay, love your brother or love your enemy. Um, okay, that's great, but, but what's it, if you don't really know what the word love means, of course, we know what the word love means, but if you didn't really know what the word love means, I mean, you could say that, hey, love your enemy. Well, that means you could stab him, right? You could shoot him in the kneecap. You could, you know, starve him to death. I mean, you know, if you don't know what the word love means, then, then there's no context of that. But then you get over to, to, um, <clears throat> to, to John uh, 15, 13, and it says, greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. So now you understand the word love starts implying that, okay, I've got to do something to be a blessing to those around me. So reading all the different verses where that word is used gives you the context of how, what it, when the Lord says to walk in love, what does he mean by that? So it's good to go and read a hundred verses or read all these verses. You know, King James says uh, the word charity is found 117 times. So that means you would have to read 117 verses to understand really and fully in context what, when the Lord says walk in love, what does he mean? And that's just in the New Testament. So that's why it's valuable to know these things, right? Will you ever do that? I don't, you know, maybe you won't. You know, I do that on a pretty regular basis. I, I've got uh, files where I've gone through and, and printed out. I don't print anything out anymore. I've got it on my computer. But I'll go through and, and list you know, all 300 verses of some particular word. Uh, and when I'm, when I'm studying oftentimes, instead of looking up the definitions of these words or looking up, you know, the, the, how this word was formed, where it came from, its original uh, uh, root of this word, I'll just go read all the scriptures that use this word in context, and I'll start to understand what the Lord is trying to get across to us. Uh, and so uh, when, whenever you, and he does this uh, several different times in his book, he'll, he'll tell us this particular word was used. He uses the exact same method of study. This particular word was used X number of times, and, and every time it always implies this thing right here. Uh, and so you, you, as a good student of the scriptures, if you really want to be a student of the word, then it's good to dig a little deeper than just, well, you know, I read the verse, right? <clears throat> uh, and so, and a lot of bad doctrine has been created by people just reading one or two verses and making a decision of what this verse means. And there's been a lot of times when I'll do that and realize, you know, Lord, what I thought this word meant is not at all what this word meant. Because when I see how many times you've used this word and in the context of that, then, then I begin to understand. And that's really how these translators were able to translate the Greek and Hebrew because 
especially in the Hebrew, not so much as the Greek, but in Hebrew, there's so many unique words that nobody knows what they mean, but if it's used enough times in context, they start to understand, okay, this, has, this means something, it's pretty clear from the context that he's talking about this. Uh, and so that's how they translate those words. There's a, there, uh, you'll find if you look at multiple translations of the Bible, that oftentimes uh, you'll pick a verse and you know, 200 translations will say essentially the same thing, almost without exception. You know, they'll say the same thing. You might tweak a few things here, but, it, but essentially, but then on occasion you'll get a verse and it's wildly different, right? You go from one translation and it means the sky is blue, the next one the sky is pink. You know, well, that's completely different connotation. Why is that? Well, because the original words are, are difficult to understand and, and the scholars don't really necessarily know what they mean. Typically, you'll find that more in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, than you will in the New Testament because the New Testament is written in Greek. Greek is a very common language used uh, in all kinds of locations around the world. And you can, uh, you can apply the knowledge of the Greek from what well, they're talking about over here in commerce or in business. They're using that word. Well, then it's got to mean something similar in the scriptures. And so you can, you can understand the context of that word from other, other sources. In Hebrew, sometimes we're kind of stuck because of such a narrowly used uh, uh, language that uh, we're limited in what we know. But for the most part, you can tell <clears throat> what these things meant. Uh, and, and, um, uh, and going back to what we mentioned a week or two ago about the Septuagint translation, it's the Greek version of the Old Testament, which was written about 200 years before Jesus was around. Uh, and uh, because it was so old, I mean, that's 2,200 years ago, uh, that's a lot closer to the Hebrew language when it was created uh, about 3,500 years ago. Um, <clears throat> then, um, of course, I don't know when it was probably written, uh, created a little bit before that, but, but uh, Moses, when he wrote the, the Old Testament about 3,500 years ago, wrote it primarily in Hebrew. And so um, <clears throat> uh, the, the Greek Septuagint, they translated that about 2,200 years ago, so it's closer to Moses than, than, uh, than it is actually to us. Uh, and so uh, there are at least some hints uh, that uh, it was helpful and it was uh, been useful to him. And, and Dr. McCrossan references uh, that uh, as well. So any questions about that? I mean, you know, I, I know it's, it's not. <clears throat> Um, well, Aramaic is, is an Eastern language, too, and there are certain portions of the Old Covenant that's actually written in Aramaic, right? So the majority of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but there's whole passages like in Daniel uh, when they went into uh, Babylonian captivity where the, the original writings that we have, you know, of course, we don't have any actual original writings, but the original writings of the Old, Old Testament, there was large portions that were written in another language called Aramaic, which was... Uh, again, they had, it's an, it's an old language, and um, I don't even know if it's even used anymore. Um, uh, and so there's actually three uh, languages that the Old Testament or the, New Te or the Bible was written in, Greek and Hebrew primarily, but a little bit of Aramaic. And so it's just another Eastern language. Uh, <clears throat> and when Dr. Strong did his, uh, old t uh, his numbering system, uh, Hebrew words, Actually, he, he included the Aramaic words in those same Hebrew words. So he didn't distinguish between this is a Hebrew word and this is an Aramaic word. And you can tell if you look at the original um, manuscripts that this is clearly Hebrew language versus Aramaic language. They can tell because you can tell the difference obviously between Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic just by looking at the original lettering uh, on the original manuscripts. Uh, and there are a few words. Uh, you know, when Jesus said, uh, uh, Eli, Eli, uh, I think that one was, he was on a cross. I think that was Aramaic. Uh, and he spoke to one of the girls in Aramaic, you know, and he told her to, to be healed or to have her ears open. Uh, that was uh, in Aramaic. So there's a few uh, scattering words or phrases in, in the Gospels even that was uh, not just originally in Greek. It was actually in Aramaic that Jesus spoke. We don't see that. I don't know of any instances in the, in the epistles of Aramaic, but in the Gospels, on occasion, Jesus would speak uh, in Aramaic, and then it was translated first in English. But a lot of, a lot of even in King James, it shows the, the original language in Aramaic, and then it translated, that is to say, and it translates it in English. And I don't know if that was originally it was written by Matthew or, or whoever translated it, or if it was added by the King James translators. Um, I'd have to go back and, and look and see uh, who translated that into English for us, and so, or who translated it in a different language for us. So. Any other questions about that?
Uh, and so, uh, do you have to be a Greek or Hebrew scholar? No, somebody else has done all the work for us, amen? Uh, and, and if you're really a, a really snooty Greek or Hebrew scholar, then you'd be like, oh, we don't use the Strong's numbers, you know, like whatever, you know. Um, uh, are there any errors in it? There's some things that could be improved upon it, but I mean, it's a really good place to start, uh, and I got no problems with it in particular because uh, uh, he was a Greek scholar, and yeah, we've learned more about the Greek language since 1890, right? <clears throat> but um, uh, it's a good place to start, and, and uh, by the time you get to a point where you're, you're well enough versed in Greek or Hebrew to understand the difference, uh, you know, probably the Lord Jesus will be back anyway, right? So, <clears throat> and we'll make a big deal. So a lot of times what you'll see is you'll see a Greek or Hebrew word and you'll see out beside it a, a number, right? G, you know, 2008 or whatever, or H, you know, 14. Well, that's just saying that that's a reference to Dr. Strong's number and it's referencing a specific, unique Greek or Hebrew word. And then um, <clears throat> with Bible programs, you could click on that. You could find the definition of that particular word. You can find out how many different ways it was translated to English, uh, typically from the King James, uh, but, uh, but pretty much uh, most modern translations also include along with it, here's the Greek words that are assigned to that particular English word. So you kind of break it down to find out how they came up with their particular translation. Uh, <clears throat> and so, so it's helpful, amen? Uh, for me personally, I, 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 more often than not, uh, very rarely will I include the, the, the Greek word uh, if you look at my Bible, I'll go through a lot of times and um, uh, write down uh, the original word for a particular uh, English word. And um, if, a few of them, I'll, I'll include the original Greek word. You know, it's like agape. I'll have everywhere in the New Testament where agape was used. And I'll write out in my notes in my, my column of my Bible, agape. Or, or in fact, I'm just uh, looking at this uh, right here in Matthew 6, 5, where it says, For they love to pray standing. Well, that word love there is philia. So it's not, it's not agape, it's philia. So it's brotherly love, right? Like Philadelphia. <clears throat> uh, and so, so that's not the Greek word. Uh, Jared, uh, that's in Matthew 6, 5. Um, <clears throat> I, I gave him three seconds to get that up there and he doesn't have it there. Right there where it says, it says for what they love to pray. Well, is that the word agape, which is G25? Or is that a different word? Well, that's the Greek word um, philia, which I don't know the, the Strong's number for that. Uh, but it's helpful to know, okay, that's not the God kind of love, where they love to pray standing and be seen, right? It, it's the brotherly kind of love, right? They love, they love the, the emotion of that because it's an emotional kind of love. So they, they love the emotion of being seen when they pray. So that's what he's talking about. So it's helpful to know what is the original source of this word, amen? Because uh, the King James was translated. So every time they translate it, you know, they got them mostly right, but sometimes, you know, uh, since there's only one or two words for love, they would have to use the same English word for love, whereas the Greek used many different words for love. And so it's helpful to know what was the original language because that's really, that, that's the inspired part of the scriptures are the original language, not the English translations, despite what some people believe that King James is the only uh, approved translation of God, which is funny because it occurred 1600 years after Jesus left the earth. Uh, and so, and there's actually been uh, plenty of good ones since then. <clears throat> I got no, in fact, I preach from the King James. I got nothing wrong with the King, nothing wrong with the King James. But on occasion, just like in 1 Corinthians 13, where he decided to translate uh, the word uh, agape as charity. Nearly every other time it was translated as love, right? Uh, but for, for some reason, you know, they well, it, it sounds cooler to use charity. But, and that might have been in 1611, but when we hear the word charity, we think of, of uh, providing something to somebody who is in need, <clears throat> which, you know, you could apply that to word love, but that's not really the best uh, connotation of the word love. It's, uh, you know, from God's perspective, that's not really the best connotation of the word love, uh, the, the agape love. And so, so, you know, the King James on occasion got some things, you know, uh, they could have done things better. Uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to disparage them because it, it changed the world. Because before the King James, there were other translations. Tyndale did some things. Uh, there was a, a major translation out of, Sweet, uh, out of Switzerland at that point in time called, called the Geneva translation. That was an English translation. And it was actually a really good translation as well. It's the translation that the, that the um, uh, pilgrims used on the Mayflowers that came to, the, uh, to America. They didn't bring the King James. They brought the, the Geneva translation. 
the Geneva Bible, and it was a good, solid English translation. Uh, and, it, and really, it was very popular until King James started threatening people with, with death if they didn't use his, his translation. Uh, and so that's a good way to motivate people to use your translation. You can use my translation or die. You know, it's your choice. You know, you, whatever you want to do is your choice. You know, whatever you want to do, you just die if you use the wrong one. And so, you know, they were motivated to use his translation, which seems a little, you know, odd to uh, motivate somebody with, with death or imprisonment if you don't use what I want you to use in the Bible. <clears throat> but, you know, strange things happen sometimes in, in the church. Amen. Uh, and so, so that's, you know, that's the class part of, uh, of, of healing class, right? Healing school. Uh, but... Um, uh, maybe that, that, that's a little helpful, right? Any other questions about that? Uh, and so anytime you see these words, G in a number and an H in a number, that's the only two ones you'll see. You won't see Q or elemental P or anything like that. It's G or H, and, it's, and it means Greek or Hebrew, and, it's, and it means the original. They've assigned a unique number to the unique Greek or Hebrew word for that. Uh, and then you can go look up, uh, there's all kinds of, Bible dictionaries that go along with that. You click on the, the G26 and you look up all the, where did this word come from, how it was used in, in other contexts, and how many times was it translated in the Bible, all the different verses. Uh, and we're thankful for all of the, uh, the, the impressive uh, scriptural and biblical software that's available today. You can just click, 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 click. And yeah, it takes you five seconds. It took, you know, Dr. Strong's 30 years to make his book, right? Now, now in five seconds, in fact, I've written programs that can do the same things that, that Dr. Strong's did. He spent 30 years on it. I can spend, you know, uh, not 30 minutes, but uh, with less than a day, I could write a program that could do the exact same thing that he did uh, in spending decades of his life. Uh, and so, but we're thankful for that, amen? That's how I started with these big books, amen? You'd open up and it would creak, you know, and moths would fly out. And uh, you open up these giant books to study the scriptures. Uh, and, uh, and, but we're thankful for this because nowadays we can study the scriptures much quicker and, and with much less effort. Uh, some people think that it's, it's more important to spend effort in studying than the actual studying. And I've had people say, you know, you should never use computers to study. Uh, and I'm like, what? Are we a dinosaur, you know? You're going to be like a barrel of oil here in, in just a day or two. Uh, and look, I don't care how you study, right? You study, if you want to use... You only get a scroll and, and find, you know, uh, uh, you know, find the Ten Commandments on, on a stone tablet. I don't care, you know, but don't disparage me if I want to use computers and, and, and click a couple mouse clicks and have everything I need in five seconds instead of spending a day of going to, you know, I've got hundreds of Bibles, physical Bibles. I could go to the bookcase and pull them down and every now and then I do, right, if I can't find them online. <clears throat> uh, and so, but that's really old school and, and so... Um, we're thankful that these things uh, were done for us 130, and this stood the test of time, right? Uh, is, it, is it perfect? It's not perfect, but it's pretty good, and it's good enough, amen, uh, to do studies. You know, if you want to really uh, eke out the, 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 the slight distinction between this uh, part of the uh, use of that Greek phrase versus this part, then you need to go study the Greek language, amen? Uh, and so uh, this is perfectly fine, and, and those who look down their, their nose at this is, you know, that it's not really that good, you know, just yawn when they say that, right? You know, you're boring me, I'm about to pass out, you know, because you're boring, uh, and, and so this is not important to do this, right? Yeah. Twelve. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found uh, right after World War II or, or so in that time frame, and uh, is it before World War II, 40s? Uh, and, um, you know, they were, all these guys were out in the desert somewhere, you know, in the Middle East, and they found these caves. And inside these caves, they found scrolls of Scripture. They found a lot of other things besides Scripture, too, like, you know, business dealings and things. But they found these scrolls that were preserved hundreds of years. You know, could you think of the dry desert? Uh, because these scrolls were typically written on like leather or parchment, things that would deteriorate just naturally over time. Uh, and they found all these scrolls uh, and uh, they were very ancient and, and uh, they're not really sure where they came from. They have some ideas of where they came from. Some, um, some nomad type of tribes must have transcribed some of these old scriptures. And they found, uh, in some cases, complete uh, copies of the Bible, the original books. You know, a lot of them, they found just fragments of it because a lot of them had deteriorated. But it, it did change a lot of our understanding of the Greek and Hebrew language because it was a lot more modern than, than some of the other ones they had. And it confirmed that 
you know, we're not sure if these original really old ones were, were correct, uh, but these fairly new ones, you know, still thousands of years old in some cases, or, uh, or centuries old in some cases, uh, confirm that, yes, a lot of what we believe was correct in the Old Testament and the New Testament is still accurate. Uh, and it did correct a few things, things were, that were a little uncertain about some of the original languages in Hebrew or Greek. Uh, it did confirm, okay, this is exactly how it should be, or at least that's, they, they thought that it was sufficient to do that. Uh, and and um, uh, you can, there, I've got a translation of a Bible that came just from the, from the, uh, from the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so they call it the Dead Sea Scrolls because these were caves found near the Dead Sea uh, in Israel. Uh, I guess, is it still in Israel now? I don't know if it's still in Israel. Uh, but around the Dead Sea, uh, they found these caves with all these scrolls there, and a lot of them had, uh, they had, uh, I don't know, thousands of part, uh, uh, pieces of, like the book of Isaiah, for example, and so they can confirm, okay, we can put all these things together like a puzzle, and, and, and where maybe it was smudged in, in maybe some original uh, scroll that they had for Isaiah, uh, they can find a cleaner version in these Dead Sea Scrolls to confirm, okay, that really was the word that we thought it was, or maybe sometimes it wasn't. We thought it was this word, but the Dead Sea Scrolls shows it in a much clearer way. Uh, and you can actually get online and look at that if, you're, if you really have nothing entirely else in your whole world to do. You can go online and actually look at the, they make photocopies of these things. You can see what they look like. <clears throat> and it did help. Uh, it, it did tweak and help us get more accurate translations of the scriptures in different places, right? So... Um, uh, anything else? I don't, I don't know if he has, uh, he might, well, no, he would not have mentioned the Dead Sea Scrolls because this book was written before the Dead Sea Scrolls, Dead sea Scrolls were discovered, right? Uh, uh, can you imagine just walking through a cave and finding out, you know, century-old uh, copies of the scripture? Wouldn't that be nice to find something like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, there's so many stories like that. You know, before the Dead Sea, Dead sea Scrolls were found, when they were trying to, you, know, you think about the problem of the scriptures. You know, after after Jesus was on the earth, you know, in the first century, all the the whole New Testament was written before the end of the first century, right? Maybe John was there at the beginning of the second century because uh, he lived to be, be quite old. Uh, but pretty much it was all done, right? Nobody else writing any more scriptures after that. And then it all disappeared. Where to go, right? I mean, uh, they, they invaded Jerusalem in 70 AD, scattered the church abroad, right? In Acts chapter 8, the whole church was scattered abroad. Uh, uh, and then 70 AD, Jerusalem was, was overrun by Rome, and they razed the whole city, right? They got rid of, destroyed the temple. Uh, and, and all these things were scattered to the wind. Paul wrote uh, letters to Galatia and, and Ephesus and Philippi, but, but the Lord uh, watched over these valuable parchments for centuries until, you know, civilized people said, you know, we should put these together. Uh, and we should, th these are important things. We should put these together into what we call the Bible today. But somebody had to find these around the world. And, of course, the multiple copies were made over the years. And one of the great Greek uh, scholars of the time, this is back in the 1800s, was traveling to, uh, uh, to the Middle East trying to find some copies of the scriptures, right? Scrolls and stuff. And he happened upon some nomadic people and, uh, and they were, uh, uh, you know, sometimes in a desert to be cold at night. Well, they were burning these parchments that had no idea what they were. And they were copies of the Greek New Testament. Uh, that, that, uh, and they didn't know what they were. So it's like, well, it burns really good because it's old and dry. Uh, and so they're just burning them, you know, burning them not because they're trying to destroy the scriptures. They had no idea what they had. And he's like, oh, give them to me. And so he, he collected all these, uh, all these Greek uh, manuscripts and brought them back to the civilized world and, you know, whatever we call the civilized world. And he started putting together a, Greek, uh, a compilation of the Greek New Testament. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> of course, there's wars fought about who's got the best Greek New Testament. Uh, and it's all boring to me because the, the difference between uh, number one and number two is uh, there, there's small differences, right? But people will fight wars over these small things that are inconsequential. Uh, but uh, you think about how much work the Spirit of God did to protect th these manuscripts for our benefit. Uh, and now, of course, we read it and it's no big deal to us to read it. But even today in some, some countries like in China, you know, having an entire Bible is, is nearly unheard of, right? They may have... Uh, like a page, I've got a page, right? 
I've got page 87 of the New Testament, and that may be the, all they have that they own, right? Um, and then, of course, uh, even when I was in Africa, I was there in, um, we were in, um, I guess we were in, uh, where were we? Niger- not, yeah, Nigeria. <clears throat> and um, one pastor asked me, you know, what, what do you use to study? Uh, and I'm like, you know, and I just, you know, I just felt bad telling him, you know, I've got uh, a thousand documents on my iPad here. And, you know, I've got hundreds of translations, uh, thousands of documents. I can pull up anything I need to know anywhere in the world where I'm at with this little piece of glass and, that, and I can study the Greek and Hebrew and original words and definitions, you know, more pages of commentary than you could ever imagine and read in a lifetime. Uh, and, and so I said, well, I've got, you know, a collection of stuff that I used to study. I said, what do you guys study with? He said, all I have is my Bible. He had nothing else, no concordance, no dictionaries, no, no commentaries, just his Bible, which, you know, of course, is, is fine. And some people are like, that's all I used to study. Fine, whatever, you know. Excuse me while I yawned, right, because you're so impressive. Uh, and so, well, you know, then go back to a scroll, right? Because you know they use computers, uh, but uh, I don't read anything about the Bible. Yeah, right, you read it on a computer, I'm sure, when you're looking up words. And, and get rid of that and go back to a scroll, right? I mean, you don't want to complain about, you know, I don't use anything except the Scriptures. Well, then you need to use it in little pieces of, you know, one little couple words on a scrap of paper. That's how you need to read it. If you really want to be super spiritual and, and as spiritual as you think you are, uh, and so, um, but we're thankful for that, amen? And the Spirit of God w- was, was gracious to do that for our benefit uh, and to, to give us these things. So uh, that one fellow there in Nigeria, I, I sent him all my books. You know, I, I just packed him up because I hadn't used them in years, right? They sat on my shelf, they looked pretty, uh, but I haven't. He's like, well, he, this would change his life if he could do that. And it cost hundreds of dollars to send it. I thought, well, you know, it surely won't cost that much. It cost hundreds of dollars to send it to him. Uh, uh, but still, you know, he probably got, you know, I mean, a lifetime's value out of that. Amen. Uh, and so <clears throat> uh, we're thankful for, for the Lord to provide these things to us. Uh, and so uh, Dr. McCrossin does use this. So that's, you know, I know we spent nearly the entire class on that, but, um, uh, but it, it's helpful to know these things. Uh, do, you, do you have to do this to study the scriptures? You don't have to do it. Uh, but, you know, you don't need to remain ignorant all your life either, amen? It's, and if you never use it, just fine, no problem, amen? Uh, but it's, it's helpful to know these things. People spent their entire life doing things like this. You know, uh, you think about how much manual work to read the entire King James Bible and to take every word out of that and to make a list, okay, here's verse, you know, there's 31,102 verses in the King James Bible. He took every verse and took it apart, every word in that verse, and then made a list of everywhere else where that same word is used in the King James Bible in order. Right? And he, had, he put it in order from Genesis to Revelation and then alphabetized all those words in English. Uh, you think about how much work it would do that manually, right? Uh, I'm sure they had, let's see, back in 1890, I guess they had typewriters back in 1890. Uh, but um, that, how much work would that, would that take? You know, Start today. Let me know when you get done, right? Uh, just reading the Bible. How long would it take you to read the Bible? Uh, you know, some people, I read the whole Bible in a year. That's great. Take it apart, every single word in the Bible, and then let me know how long it takes you to do that. Uh, so I don't want to do that. You want to do that? I don't want to do that. i got other things I want to do. I'd rather let somebody else do that work. And thank you, I appreciate that. And in five seconds, go use everything he spent 50 years to put together for my benefit, and I'm done. Amen? Because uh, the goal is not to, to do this work. The goal is to understand what the Word says. <clears throat> and so that's why we study these things. So, um, you know, we could get into some things. I know it's a little early there, but instead of getting into some scriptures, there's some things that he talked about. Uh, well, we, we just mentioned this, and then, and then we'll go, because uh, it's two verses in the same scripture, in the same chapter here, Luke chapter 4. Uh, I think you should be there, right? If you're not there by now, you're really, you're really slow. Uh, but in uh, Luke chapter 4, so in Luke chapter 4, uh, of course, the, one of the things that he said last week was that uh, Satan is the author of sickness, uh, and then he says, because Jesus used the same word to rebuke sickness as he did to rebuke devils. And so here in Luke chapter 4, in verse uh, 35, it says, and he, talking about Jesus, or and it says, and Jesus rebuked him, talking about uh, uh, this devil, right? Uh, in fact, uh, <clears throat> let's read in verse 33. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou son, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him. So he, he addressed this unclean spirit uh, as a person, right? 
Uh, and so unclean spirits are not just energy in the universe. They are, they are personalities, right? Spiritual personalities, uh, a unique spiritual personality. And Jesus rebu rebuked him, this unclean spirit, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the, when the devil had thrown him down in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. Now, uh, we do find the English word devil used in two different ways in the, in the New Testament. So sometimes when it's talking about the devil, he's talking about uh, Lucifer, Satan, you know, the fallen archangel uh, of the Lord uh, who was thrown out of heaven. Uh, but w when it just says a devil, uh, or in this case, you know, uh, speaking to him in general, uh, that it's an unclean devil, then that's just devils in, in general, right? And so uh, oftentimes the same Greek word for devil is used for demons, uh, and it, it's probably more accurate to call them demons as understanding they are underlings of uh, Lucifer, of Satan. <clears throat> and so this is not the devil, right? This is not Lucifer. This is just one of his minions uh, that was causing problems with this man's life. And Jesus rebuked him and, and cast him out of him. Uh, and so uh, in, in Dr. St Dr. Uh, McCrossin's book, he mentioned that this is the Greek word G2008, right? So that's the Greek. And then he has, he'll oftentimes, and along with the numbering, he'll also show you the Greek word too. Uh, but, you know, unless you're well-versed in the Greek language and the Greek letters, uh, seeing the distinction between one Greek word and the other Greek word, you know, sometimes it's, it's a little difficult if you're not well-versed in the Greek lettering. But if you, if you look at the Greek numbers, then you can understand if it's 2008 versus 4, then those are clearly two different Greek words. So, so to me, sometimes it's easier to, in fact, I've got in my notes right here uh, where it says he rebuked. I've got a footnote there that says G2008. Just to remind me that this is, this is the Greek word here. So when he rebuked the, the evil spirit. And then in the same chapter, coming down a, a few verses, <clears throat> and this is uh, Peter's mother-in-law uh, in verse 38. And it says, and he arose, to, this Jesus arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house uh, and Simon's wife's mother, so that's his mother-in-law, was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. Well, why did they besought uh, Jesus for her? Well, because she had a great fever. You know, you ever, seen, uh, you ever seen anybody with a great fever? They're kind of out of their mind, right? They're, 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 they're too sick to, to do anything. Uh, and so somebody needed to come to her, uh, uh, to her aid, uh, and they did. On behalf of her, they went to Jesus and asked him if he would do something about this to assist her. Uh, they petitioned Jesus for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the what? The fever. And it left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto him. Now that word rebuke there is the same Greek word that he used to rebuke the devil uh, in, in verse 35. Uh, and so... Uh, if it, and it's both G2008, and if you look in uh, Dr. McCrossin's book, he'll have the actual Greek word there if you care to know what it is. To me, there's a few important Greek words to know, but uh, this is not one that's on my list of important words to know. If you want to make it important, that's fine. Uh, <clears throat> but the point of it is how Jesus dealt with, with his devils uh, in both cases is, is the same. Now, I will say this. Dr. McCrossin said that, uh, that the fever here in Luke 4.39 was also caused by a demonic spirit. Uh, and in so doing, then he says, because uh, they're both rebuked by Jesus as a demonic spirit, then clearly all sickness and disease uh, comes from the devil. But you know, the problem I have with that statement is in the context of, of uh, Luke 4.39, it doesn't say that it was a spirit of fever. In fact, he, he includes in his, when he writes this, he says in his book he calls it the, and he's got little curly braces, the spirit of fever. Uh, but to me that's changing what it says here because uh, you've got to ask yourself the question, before you come to that conclusion, uh, the question that I would ask is, did Jesus speak to anything other than uh, people or to devils? besides sickness and disease. Is there anything in the natural world that Jesus spoke, spoke to? Uh, what's some of the things that he spoke to? Spoke to the fig tree, right? Was it a devil fig tree? It's just a fig tree, right? What else did he speak to? The wind and the waves. Were they devil winds and waves? No, just winds and waves, right? What did he tell us that we could speak to? The mountains, right? Also to the sycamine tree. Uh, and so... Uh, there were plenty of natural things that Jesus either spoke to or said that we could speak to 
and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, being motivated by a demonic presence. Uh, and so uh, my point of this is I take a little exception to him assigning that this fever itself was due to a demonic presence uh, because that's not uh, in all the, we, and because we've gone through all of it, all the cases of healing, not every case of healing was due to a demonic presence. And even some of them that were due to a demonic presence, Jesus didn't speak to the spirit. He just commanded them to be healed. Uh, and so, you know, we've got a bit, we want to be accurate in our doctrine. Amen. Uh, and so the point of it is, and there were times when Jesus, when this same Greek word was used, when Jesus was talking to people, right, where he rebuked the people or charged the people to do certain things. Uh, it was translated as charged, but it was the same Greek word, G2008. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, his point was that these were both spirits, and so spirits are rebuked by Jesus, and so therefore, uh, if it was a spirit here, then it's a spirit there, and so therefore all sickness and disease uh, is originating from, from the devil. But we know just from our studies that uh, all sickness and disease originated because sin, and he made this case earlier, because sin and death came into the world because of Adam's mistake, which is accurate, right? But now all sickness and disease is not directly related to a presence of a demonic spirit. Amen. Uh, it could be just due to uh, the, the corruption of, of the germs and the viruses that were not intended to uh, be detrimental to our health, that they've been corrupted by sin in the earth uh, and uh, without any demonic presence will still afflict a, a human being. But if it's, if it's in the natural realm, you can speak to it. <clears throat> and so that's the point is you can rebuke it because Jesus rebuked the fever. He didn't rebuke the spirit of fever. Now, other times he called it a spirit of infirmity, and he did cast it out of people. But in this case, there's no spirit that we... Uh, and to say there was, to me, is, is adding something to the Scripture that it doesn't say. I think it's perfectly fine to say, you know, this was a sickness here. He rebuked it. That's a devil over there. He rebuked that. Uh, and so um, uh, anything that uh, is in the natural realm that causes harm to your life, you can rebuke. Uh, and you can use the name of Jesus over it, and, and it will leave. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, I'm not mad at Dr. McCrossin there. Uh, um, uh, you know, for me, uh, when, when somebody makes an argument or a case for a certain doctrine, I want to see, is their case a good case? In this case, I don't believe this case was a good case, and so does that mean we should throw out the rest of the book? No, he, he knows. He's probably forgotten more about Greek and Hebrew than I've ever known. Uh, and so he's definitely a, a, a good scholar in that. But sometimes, you know, we, it's easy to fall into this trap of, of uh, you know, two, two things that are completely different, making them the same because uh, you, you're trying to make a good case, right? You want to make a good case for something. But uh, I think the case is still made that, that uh, the origin of all sickness and disease is the devil because he goes on and talks about some other things in Acts 10.38, which we'll pick up next week there that, that continues to show this case there that the origin of all sickness and disease is the devil. Uh, and then in the, when, it, when it comes to a specific sickness or disease, we need, to only, we need to know if it's the devil, only if the Lord Jesus needs us to know that it's of the devil. Amen? Uh, if, if the Lord doesn't tell you that it's due to demonic presence, then you just lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You, you don't have to know that it's the devil. Amen? If, if nothing's changing, you can ask the Lord, Lord, what's the deal? He may say, well, it's a demonic spirit. You need to cast it out instead of rebuking it. But uh, or or uh, instead of just laying hands on it. But again, every time there's a demonic presence, Jesus didn't always cast out every devil. Amen. Sometimes he just laid hands on them anyway with the devil. The devil left him. You remember when, when Paul sent handkerchiefs, it says that evil spirits came out of them just from a handkerchief. No devil's cast out. And so we get into these rut and, and we start things like, uh, anybody ever heard of deliverance ministries? I've got a deliverance ministry. And, and, and the only way a deliverance ministry can be successful is if everything is a devil. <clears throat> and back in the 80s, uh, anybody remember the dark ages of the 80s, right? Everything was a devil. If you had a bad day, it's a devil, right? Uh, and, and, you know, we say Gesundheit, right? Well, Gesundheit uh, means it's, it's, it's Hebrew, uh, German for something about to do the devil, right? Anybody know what the original... Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's got something to do with the devil. I don't know, you know. I could be wrong. Uh, <clears throat> but, but a lot of people would say... Because uh, the original thought was if you sneeze, it was because there's a devil. Uh, and uh, if that's the case, you know, sometimes I just, I go out in the sunshine and, and uh, I'll sneeze because there's sunshine out there. And not, that's like a genetic thing. Only certain people do that, right? Uh, and uh, Chris doesn't do that, but I have passed that gene on to my, my son. And apparently my grandson has the same gene that he'll get out in the sun and he'll sneeze and he'll laugh, you know, because he's a year old. And it, 
and so, uh, but it's not due to, due to a devil, amen? Uh, it's just because you sneeze. There's nothing there. You're just sneezing, right? Uh, and so, uh, you're, are you, have you looked it up, Jared? I thought you'd look it up by now. Uh, uh, Gesundheit, right? Uh, good health, right? But I think if you look at the original source of why they said that, it was because they were concerned that you had a devil and it's causing you to sneeze. Uh, and so, anyway, if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter anyway. It's not scripture, right? <clears throat> and so, we don't care. Uh, but everything is not due to a devil, amen? Uh, but if you've got a, a deliverance ministry, everything is the devil. That way, uh, people give you lots of money. Uh, and so that's, that's the whole goal, right, sometimes for things. <clears throat> so uh, it does, and to me, I don't care if it's the devil or not a devil. It's leaving. And if the Lord tells me I need to do something special for this devil, then fine, I'll cast it out. But otherwise, it's still leaving. I'll lay hands on it. It's got to leave. I'll put a prayer cloth on it. It's got to leave. And if it doesn't leave, then, then and the Lord gives me insight uh, that, that it's, it's a demonic presence, then I'll cast it out. Amen. But I'm not afraid of the devil. And it's like, oh, he's a strong man. He's not. He's, he's stupid, right? Anybody that would rebel against the Lord is, is ignorant. Amen? <clears throat> and so, uh, well, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that we can rebuke any sickness and disease. Father, regardless of the origin, uh, it will hear the words of faith. And so, Father, we choose to, to live that way. We choose to believe in your word. We choose to believe in your faith. And so, Father, we will live that way, live in free uh, of sickness and disease. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, praise God. Well, all this discussion about Strong's numbers, none of that will be on your questions there. Uh, but um, I thought it would be, uh, yeah, yeah, I thought it would be helpful to, because sometimes, you know, I, you know, I know all this. I've used this for, for many, many years in studying, but everybody doesn't know this, you know. Uh, and, of course, you know, I really didn't come out of the womb knowing these things. I had to learn these things just like everybody else had to learn these things. Uh, but I thought it would be helpful to know these uh, things. Amen. <clears throat> and so, uh, uh, no, there's no, there's the best, that's the best kind of school, right? Uh, tests without grades. Uh, and so, <laughs> please hand in all your tests. I'm going to grade them with a red pen, right? <clears throat> and I will mark them up. Amen. No, there's none of that. Uh, so well, let's get ready to receive this evening's uh, uh, offering. Amen. <clears throat> you really felt like you've been to school today. Amen. So. <clears throat> and, you know, the, uh, like I said, you don't have to know all this stuff. Come ahead, Mr. Deer, and receive the offering. Um, <clears throat> but it's good to at least know what, what it means, right, that there's value in these things. And... Um, <clears throat> I said some people have attitudes about this kind of stuff and they don't want to ever use their brain. And, uh, you know, who created your brain? God created your brain, amen? So there's nothing wrong with using your brain, amen? He created it, right? Some people think it's just there for it to hold their hat. Uh, and so uh, it, it, it can actually be used, amen? He, he gave you a brain, amen? Well, it's only spirit. Well, then why did he give you a brain, amen? I, you know, sometimes I wonder about people, but... Um, uh, uh, it's not, you shouldn't use your brain in, in exclusion to your spirit, of course. That's when we get into error, uh, is when we use our brain to the exclusion of our spirit man. Uh, we should use everything that God has given to us uh, to, to discern his will and plan for our life. Amen? Uh, and so, well, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.